Let us pray. Open our ears to hear your voice, Good Shepherd. Open our minds to understand. Open our hearts to receive your love. And strengthen our souls to follow you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Um, I wanted to say thank you. I think I speak on behalf of all the clergy. It's a great privilege and joy to be set aside to study God's word and to try to bring it to the community. And I really feel privileged to be set aside in ordination and, and call and support. So it's a, a great delight and a thrill. Today is Good Shepherd Sunday. It's the fourth Sunday of Easter. It's often known as Good Shepherd Sunday. And the gospel readings are in John chapter 10. So uh, this year's year A, so we do verses 1 to 10. Next year, Easter 4, we continue in John chapter 10. And in year C, the third year, we finish up. But I would encourage you uh, to read through the whole chapter when you go home. Because it's a, a lovely passage of uh, the Good Shepherd. The earliest devotional depiction of Jesus Christ is of him as the Good Shepherd. There's a third century catacomb drawing in Rome, a fresco of Jesus as the shepherd with the lamb in his arms and a rooster at his side. That's the earliest devotional picture. You may know that the earliest uh, uh, depiction of him was not a positive one. It was a, a picture of, it's called Alexander worships his God. And there's a stick drawing of a man and then a man hanging on the cross with a donkey's head. And that's taken to be the first actual artistic depiction of Jesus, uh, which wasn't uh, meant to be uh, flattering, but it's meant to be mocking of someone who would worship someone who hung on the cross. And that comes from the uh, second century, maybe the first. So uh, I invite you to turn in your bulletins to the gospel reading. Let's work through it and look what's in there. It's interesting because on Good Shepherd Sunday, the word shepherd only comes up once in the passage. He, at, at the beginning of the passage, if you look in the verses 1, 2, and 3, Jesus talks about what a shepherd does, but he never refers to himself in this passage as the good shepherd. That comes a little later. How he does refer to himself is, you'll see, as the gate. The word, the gate, appears five times. Three times in the first verses, he says, this is what a gate does. The gatekeeper opens the gate to the shepherd, the shepherd goes through the gate, etc. And then in verses 7 and 9, if you look down a bit further, Jesus said, I am the gate of the sheep. And then he repeats it, I am the gate. Actually, a better translation would be the door. Some translations translate this, the door. There's actually another Greek word for gate that's not used. So Jesus basically says, I'm the door. What's that mean? What does that mean for us? What, in what sense is he the door? Is it a door that we like our front door that we lock at night to keep people out? Or is it a door through which we go to gain access? There's a puzzle in town, a new game. I don't know if anyone's seen uh, the puzzle room game. Uh, you get a bunch of people together. Has anyone heard of this? You get a bunch of people together and then the door's locked, and within the room there are clues, and you have to put the clues together to find out how to get out of the room. They should do one on how to get in. 
I think that Jesus being the gate isn't meant to be like how to keep people out. But if you think of an enclosure with no opening, and people may be wanting to get into the enclosure or get out of the enclosure, Jesus provides an opening, an entrance, a possibility. So Jesus says, I am the door. There's many references to the door. Have you ever been uh, invited someplace for dinner? I used to happen to me a lot. And I go up to the door, I've been invited for dinner, and I was just about to ring the doorbell or knock on the door, and I'd have second thoughts. I think, is this the right door? Is this the right day? Is, it, is this, am I early? You know, it's like all these qualms getting to the door until you finally knock. So a pastor goes to his, uh, uh, there's a new pastor at a church, and he goes to visit one of his parishioners. And uh, he knocks on the door, and it looks like someone should be home, but doesn't get an answer. So he takes out a, his calling card, and he writes on the back of it, Revelation 3.20, slips it under the door. Now, Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and sup with them. So he leaves the card. The next Sunday, in the collection place, he sees the card is returned. And underneath Revelation 3.20, someone has just written Genesis 3.10, which says, I heard your voice in the garden, but I was naked, so I hid. <laughs> So Jesus is the door to welcome. Jesus is the door to provide opportunity. The other uh, one I wanted to focus on a little bit, the word that comes up a lot in the passage is the voice. Look at verse 3. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And then later in the passage, it talks about how the sheep won't follow a stranger because they don't know his voice and they don't listen and follow them. Uh, one of the commentators uh, relates a story from the early 20th century. Somebody was in uh, Israel near Bethlehem overnight and in the morning realized that two or three shepherds had congregated their sheep in the fold and kind of just put them all mixed in together. And in the morning when he got up, they were going in, the shepherds were going in different directions. And the man thought, how are they going to separate these sheep? It sounds like kind of a chaotic experiment. But the shepherds just went to different parts of the field and started calling their sheep by name. And eventually a sheep would raise his head and go to the right shepherd and another one would raise his head. And it took a little while, but eventually the sheep went to their shepherd just based on their call their name. There's some evidence that the shepherds back then had a special name, a special call uh, for each of the sheep. There was a great story on Facebook about a teacher in uh, North Carolina, and he had a special handshake for every one of his students. And so they would line up in the morning, and he would do this special little handshake, a, an individual one for each student. Not only did he know them by name, but he knew them by handshake. I only have one of those people. He's sitting back there. Scott and I have a unique handshake. It's the only person I have it. But I can't imagine trying to remember 30 different handshakes. But God knows each of us by name. And he calls to us. And our question is, do you know the voice of the Good Shepherd? Have we paused long enough to hear it? 
Have we been attentive enough in this cacophony of voices in our culture? Can we discern the voice of the shepherd who calls us to follow him, who calls us by name, who knows us intimately? That verse in Revelation that I talked about brings those two images together, the door and the voice. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will go in and sup with him. So there's a sense in which Jesus provides the opening into God's presence, but we also have to open the door of our heart to reciprocate and to respond. And then the final thing is in verse 10. Jesus says he comes to bring life, that we might have life. He says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Well, what does it mean to have abundant life? What does it mean to you? What would your life look like if you, someone asked you, how's it going, and you said, oh, I'm having a very abundant life? In our culture, we might, our minds might turn to uh, a life of ease or a life of opulence or travel or serenity. But what did Jesus mean? Well, the thief, image of the thief comes at the beginning of the passage and at the end of the passage. And Jesus says the thief comes only to steal, whereas Jesus comes to offer a gift. The thief comes to kill, and Jesus comes that we might have life, eternal life, life with meaning, life with purpose, life with peace. And the thief comes to destroy, but Jesus comes to build us up individually and as a community to be built up, to be built into the community that can be used by God to be a blessing to the world. So that's, I think, what the passage tells us that Jesus does for us, opens the door, calls us by name, brings us life. But I think it poses the question, how do we follow him? How do we be a door for other people? How do we be a voice to call people? And how do we bring life? It's uh, encouraging to me to be a part of St. Francis' community. One of the stories I love about St. Francis is that he went to Israel during the Crusades, apparently the story is, and crossed the battlefield and had an audience with the Sultan to try to have a communication, a conversation, to see if peace could be won. And I love that, to, that the, through the doors, Jesus not only invited people into the sheepfold, but it says in the passage, I think in verse 5, to lead them out as well, and they follow. Jesus is at work in the world around us, and he invites us to be a part of it. Sometimes we think, you know, we're all very comfortable here, and Jesus wants to drive us out and send us out. But to remember that he's already at work, and we have the great privilege of being alongside of him, of opening our eyes at our place of work or school, and to see what God is already doing, what he's calling us to be a part of. Sometimes it's just a matter of opening our eyes. How do we be a welcoming community? How do we open those doors to invite people to come in? I went down last week to and uh, had a tour of the mosque downtown. Uh, was conducted by the Imam Amir, 
and uh, it was very pleasant. And I'm having lunch with the local rabbi, and I think we need, as a church, to be a model for opening the door, of embracing, of including, of keeping the conversation going, of seeking to understand as much as to under, be understood. And so we're called, like Jesus, to be a door. We're called by Jesus to be a voice. What is the voice that you're using with your loved ones? What is the voice that they will remember you by, or they remember you by when you're not there? Is it a voice of affirmation, of love, of invitation, of welcome and embrace? And finally then, how do we bring life to the world? How do we be agents of life? There's a lot of death and evil, hatred and anger. It's a very volatile situation we live in. How do we be agents of abundant life? To invite people to use their gifts, to find their voice, to be a blessing. In 1992, which of course is 25 years ago, uh, someone by the name of Miroslav Volk uh, was working in Pasadena, just down the road from the Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles, as you might remember, was the occasion of the Rodney King riots, which is a huge um, uh, upset in the community. I think 50 people were killed, billions of dollars of damage. In the midst of that, just down the road in Pasadena, he found a letter on his desk inviting him to go to Europe to speak on Christianity and Christian things and how they can bring peace. Uh, Volk is from Sarajevo, and at that time Sarajevo was also in the midst of conflict and uh, also Germany at the time. And so he wrote this book called Exclusion and Embrace. And he contends that if the healing word of the gospel is to be heard today, Christian theology must find ways of speaking that address the hatred of the other. Reaching back to the New Testament metaphor of salvation as reconciliation, he proposes the idea of embrace as a theological response to exclusion. Increasingly, we see that exclusion has become the primary sin, skewing our perceptions of reality and causing us to react out of fear and anger to all those who are not within our ever-narrowing circle. Let's take out our bulletin, and uh, I just want to pray the collect for today again, that we might walk through the door that Jesus opens to us, hear his voice, and experience his abundant life so that we too might open doors, speak words of love, and bring life. O oh God, whose Son Jesus is the good shepherd of your people, grant that when we hear his voice, we may know him who calls us each by name and follow where he leads who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God forever and ever. Amen.